I've been listening to some, I've been listening to lots of teaching this week, just a lot of different guys, but there's a guy named Pete Wilson. He's a guy we saw at Promise Keepers. I was listening to a, just a message from him, and I, I remember that what he was sharing. I thought, man, I've heard some of this stuff about uh, f- uh, 20 years ago. I was going to say 40 years ago, but I'm not 40. Uh, about 20 years ago, and, uh, and, and, and then I realized, man, it still convicted me, like, incredibly. I thought, man, I'm, you know, 20 years ago I heard this, and uh, I thought some things about it, and now it's still speaking uh, even to me today. And I, I want to share some of those thoughts today. Maybe most of it is for me, but there might be, there might be some of you who share some of my uh, uh, qualities as well. So I'm, we're just going to do, like, a, a question. I'm going to get you to raise your hand, but not till the end, all right? So let's just practice. Just raise your hand. Good, good. You can do that. I just want to make sure because last night I, I didn't know if they could. Thanks. So um, if you've ever um, started a, a, a renovation in your house and then uh, didn't finish it, um, don't raise your hand. It's bad for, it's bad for marriage. Um, but if you've, um, if you've ever uh, uh, had an email that you needed to send and you just kind of put it off and, and actually you still haven't sent it. Um, if, um, if, you, uh, if you've put off going on a diet because it wasn't Monday, um, if you've uh, had uh, a job that you really, you know, had to get done and uh, it's still not done, uh, if you've ever put anything off until later or even just decide to become a procrastinator but you're waiting till tomorrow to do that, uh, if that's any of you is that, I just want you to raise your hand. So, so look around. We're, we're in good company. That, that's good. Um, I actually, I'm, I am intend to be a procrastinator. Uh, it's something that, like I said, I saw this t-shirt and I was like, I need that t-shirt. If anybody can find that, uh, hook me up because that is kind of, that's kind of my, been, been my life. Leaving things, you know, why do something today if you can do it tomorrow, right? That's just kind of the, the way uh, some, some of the things in my life go. And, um, uh, one of the things that, uh, that I even realized, or realized this about myself periodically, and, and, and that I, you know, I feel like I, I want to change that. So we were at the leadership day, and there was a guy named David Allen, and he, uh, his whole thing was uh, on, on how to beat procrastination and how to get things done. So I, I bought his book, and um, uh, I can't even get that done. Um, I've got about this much of it read, and it's about this thick, and it sits on my, on my end table. I always look at it every day, and like, ah, I'll get back to that later. I'll re- read that later. I, I, I can't even get that done. Uh, and, you know, one of the, what I realized is it was listening to this, it's one of the biggest lies we can, that we believe, and it's, uh, today's title of the message is, the most dangerous word uh, is, is, is tomorrow. One of the greatest lies we can believe is that we can do things tomorrow. Um, and and uh, I want to talk about that because the thing, the thing is, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, yesterday you thought, yeah, I'll probably be here tomorrow, and you're right because you're here. Uh, but the thought sometimes for us is, oh, we just figure that, you know, tomorrow is going to happen. I, I also want to let you know that once you get to tomorrow, you're no closer to it than you are right now. It's always going to be one day away. Uh, that the minute that you're in right now is, is as good of a time to make a decision as any because you'll never be uh, any closer to it. And, and I looked at that and I saw, you know, uh, that in the, in the Word of God, it talks about this as well. So if you go to Exodus chapter 8, I gave you some time to get there. If you, it, it's, it's actually the second book of the Bible, so it's way uh, really close to the front. The book of Exodus is actually written more about the portion of time when this whole nation of Israel leaves slavery and goes to freedom. And uh, that's what the Exodus was called. Some of you may have seen the movie, you know, the Ten Commandments from way back when. Some of you are not uh, in that, uh, in that uh, demographic, so you probably watched, I don't know, the cartoon version or whatever uh, of uh, Mo- uh, Moses in the Red Sea. You've seen some of, those, some of those things, and you may know the story, but the, the thing is, before they went through that amazing exodus, they were in a land of slavery for hundreds of years. And they were tired with the slavery. And there's a guy named Pharaoh, and he was the slave driver. He owned all the slaves, and he had no reason to get rid of them. 
So God sent his man named Moses and uh, his brother Aaron and said, I'm going to give you guys some bargaining tools. Take these things, you know, go, go show these things to Pharaoh, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll let the people go. So he went there, and he could do crazy stuff. Like he could turn his, uh, his staff into a snake and, uh, to try and impress Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, well, my guys can do that too. So then he, um, he decided he would turn all the water in Egypt to blood. It wasn't drinkable, and it wasn't, it wasn't just red. It was actual blood. I mean, it was, it was disgusting. You can imagine the smell and whatever after a day or two of that. And Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not letting, them pe- I'm not letting those people go. Then we get to this, this uh, part right here where Pharaoh's, he's already had a few things happen to him. And then, and then in verse, um, in verse uh, 6 uh, of this, it says, uh, chapter 8, So Aaron raised his hand over the waters of Egypt, and frogs came up and covered the whole land. But the magicians were able to do the same thing with their magic, and they too caused frogs to come up uh, on the land of Egypt. So I just want you to picture this for a second. So Moses goes and, uh, we haven't seen this here before, but Moses goes and uh, he, he, he calls up frogs to come out of, the, out of the river, and there's gazillions of frogs, just all everywhere. Well, then the magicians duplicate the thing. So now you got all of the frogs that Moses called, plus you have all of the frogs that, that he called, and they're multiplying like frogs. So there's, there's all kinds of frogs everywhere. Uh, you know, if, you, if it was happening here today, every empty seat, there's going to be frogs in it. There's going to be frogs sitting, sitting on you, like uh, back at the cafe. There'd be a frog in your coffee and a frog on your scrumpet or whatever you had. You know, the, it, at home, there's a frog in your bed, you know, or all over. There's frogs in your pizza. There's frogs everywhere. You back out of your garage, you kill a hundred frogs. And um, it's, this, is what, um, this is what Pharaoh is enduring. And, and you know, if it was in my house, you know, my wife and my daughter would probably be screeching, you know, sitting on a chair like, you know, get rid of the frogs. The boys would probably be catching frogs and putting them in bottles, hopefully, you know, and uh, letting them suffocate. You know, that would be, that would be their, their, their whole thing. But frogs everywhere uh, is what he's trying to paint the picture of. And so he goes to Pharaoh. Actually, Pharaoh calls him and says, I've had enough of the frogs. So it says in verse, um, in, in verse 8, it says, and Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged them, plead. So he's, he's desperate, right? He says, uh, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. So Moses says to Pharaoh this, you set the time then, Pharaoh. He says, so that, uh, tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. They'll remain only in the Nile River. So he's basically saying, Pharaoh, whenever you say, that's when I pray, God's going to show himself. And what does Pharaoh say in verse 10? Do it tomorrow. All right, Moses replied, it'll be as you have said, and then you will know that there is no one like the Lord our God. You think about this for one, for one second. Why would Pharaoh want to spend even one more night with all these frogs? You know, I was saying if it was a, if it was a gazillion cats, he would have said, do it yesterday. You know, it's, uh, but because it was, it was frogs, he's like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all, all right to have it just for this one, um, this one day. So I need to make a public uh, apology to those of you who think I hate cats. I, I don't hate cats. Um, I don't wish any ill will on cats. I don't wish that cats would die. Some of, somebody once told me that um, they drove off a road to hit a cat and thought I'd be impressed. I wasn't. I'm not, I, I, we, we, almost, we almost have a cat. Um, Dakota's cat lives at my house more than at his house. Uh, we almost have a dog, too. Its head comes under the fence uh, from the neighbor's property, and my kids can pet it. It's the best part of a dog. If You, you should get that. You know, it's... Um, uh, but, but I don't hate cats. Just so you know, I don't mean to offend anybody. I just think that if Pharaoh had, had cats there, he probably would have said, get rid of it yesterday. Um, my, my thoughts for you as well is this, that why did he say, I'll just wait one more day? And the thing is, if it happened back then, and it happened 20 years ago, it still happens, uh, I believe, today. And, and uh, one of the things they call it is the, the someday syndrome. And maybe this is for you as well. I want to ask yourself, you know, have you ever said someday? 
Someday I'll be more grateful. Someday I'll be more generous. If I had all kinds of money, then I would give it away. You know, someday I'm going to save money. Someday I'm going to start putting some of it away. Someday I'm going to stop smoking. Someday I'm going to stop drinking. Someday I'm going to tell people how much they mean to me. Someday. You know, Pharaoh had learned that that um, it, what we realize is that he could spend one more night with the frogs. What, what it just says is that he's learned how to live with them or learned how to endure the frogs. Even though they made his life miserable, he was willing to go one more day with them and do it tomorrow. Why? Maybe Pharaoh thought that the next day, you know, the, the frog fairy's coming along. It's going to just take all the frogs away and I don't have to lose all my slave labor. Or maybe he figured, oh, they'll all just die or whatever. But he realized that it still had to happen the next day. You, you know, for us, a, a lot of times the, the mistake or... or, or um, spot that we, we go wrong is we fail to do the right thing at the right time. You know, a, a lot of us, it's not that we don't know what to do. For a lot of us, it's not that we don't know what God wants us to do. We just, we just can't seem to get around to doing it. it it's like, um, uh, you know, sometimes people leave churches because they're like, oh, you know, I want deeper teaching. You know, maybe, well, I would say, I'd say maybe you left here for that, but then you're not here. But maybe you left where you came from and, and came here uh, for that thought of, oh, you know, we just, we want deeper teaching. It's got to, you know, the, we want to know about the, um, you know, all the horses and chariots of, you know, uh, revelation and what do the bulls and symbols, and it just, you'd love to be confused. And, and you'll probably leave here when you realize we don't get really into really deep teaching. We want something that's just going to help your life. The thing for us, the reason I say that is, is because I don't think that um, it's, the, it's that we need to know more stuff. It's our education and our obedience got to kind of begin to line up. That we know a lot, we're just not ready to, to obey it or do something with it. And for many of you, it's not that you deliberately refuse to, to, to make the changes that, that God's prompting in your life. It's just you just kind of put it off one, one more day. You know it's there. Yeah, God, I'm going to deal with this. But you put it off one more day. So if that's you, I want to give you a few thoughts this morning to kind of help you out. Again, a lot of this is for me. Number one is this. Stop waiting for the perfect moment. Stop waiting for the, you know, that's probably photoshopped, but can you, can you imagine that, that idea of being there just when that plane comes? And it's like you wait for all the stars to align before you're going to do anything. Uh, for those, you, you know, guys and, and gals, when you, when you get engaged, you know, the girls are like, oh, hoping it's going to be the perfect moment. The guy's just waiting for the perfect moment and tries to set up the perfect moment. I did. I know when, uh, when Beth and I got engaged, uh, I was at my parents' house, and, you know, it was, it was cold outside, so we're sitting downstairs in, their, uh, in the living room by the fireplace, and I I had taken a Kinder Egg and opened it up and took the toy out and put the ring in and then put it back together, wrapped it up so she wouldn't know, and I, I thought it was romantic. So then now uh, we're sitting there, and I'm waiting for it to happen, and, and I didn't realize Beth's not into Kinder Eggs. So um, uh, I guess I'm, yeah, I guess so she was older than, uh, than that. So, so we're sitting down there, and I'm like, hey, you want to open this Kinder Egg? She's like, no, and so I open mine. I show her the toy. I'm like, aren't you jealous? She's like, no, she's playing video games. And uh, so then... Um, so then I'm like waiting. My parents, like, they want to use the living room to watch a movie. So they're, they, they come down like, did you ask him? I'm like, shh, shh. And she's like, ask what? I'm like, ask if you wanted to open your Kinder Egg. And she's like, no, no, no. So then my parents are finally like, forget it, Mark. You're taking way too long. Go upstairs and hang out in the kitchen. You know, we want to watch a movie. So I'm going up there. And I was like, fine. You know, I'm going to take the egg back and I'll find a different moment. It's going to be good. So I try and steal the egg. Well, it, even though she didn't want it, it's like, what's hers is hers, right? So you're not touching that Kinder Egg. That's mine. And I was like, oh, fine. You know, it's like, oh, it's so angry. And then finally, she's like, okay, fine. I'll open it. Just opens it. Like, what did you care about? And opens it, and there's the ring. It's like, oh, you know, this blissful moment. But I had to wait and said, you know, forget it. It's got to be this, like, it's got to be perfect timing or nothing. A lot of times we do that in our lives. I would have missed out on the greatest blessing in my life had I done it then. But so many times there's other great blessings that we're missing out of because we wait for that, just that perfect moment. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon wrote this, Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4, he says, farmers who wait for perfect weather, they never plant. 
And if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. He says, if you're kind of waiting for the perfect time for something to happen, you'll never do anything. And, and sometimes for you, this thought is that you have to actually go and talk to somebody. Maybe you're here this morning and God's prompting you about a relationship in your life that's not right. And, and you know that you've got to go and talk to that person and deal with it. But you're analyzing everything in your head. You've had the conversation in your head a, a hundred different ways and different times. You're like, okay, well, if I say this and she's going to say that, then I'm going to say this and she's going to say that. Then I'm going to have to clean the garage and, okay, no, let's do it a different way. You know, then I'm going to text her and say this and then she'll say that. No, forget it. I'm going to ask my friend to text her and say, what if Mark said this to you? Then we'll figure it. And, and you've gone through every scenario and what happens? All, all this analysis causes paralysis in your life. You absolutely do absolutely nothing. You're still stuck in that same place. So rather than waiting for the perfect moment, you know, the Bible would say to, to number your moments instead. Do you realize that today is a gift? Today's the only Sunday, August the 4th, 2013, you're ever going to have. A lot of times we don't wake up and think, oh, wow, this, it's just a day. But it's, it's a gift to us. Psalms chapter 90, uh, it says this, Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Uh, teach us to number our days. What does that mean? Uh, it means that we won't live on earth forever. Like, well, no, duh, I know that. You know, every, um, every day for us is, is a gift. And, you know, there's the songs about it, like Tim McGraw, you know, live like you're dying. The whole mountain jump, not mountain jumping, mountain climbing, um, skydiving, bull riding, all the things that are going to get you to death closer and quicker. He sings, about, you know, all about uh, live like you're dying. Um, for, for maybe, uh, for you, it's not this idea of, oh, I got to think about every minute that I could die the next minute. And don't become a hypochondriac. Don't go online and look up all the crazy symptoms that you could have or, or whatever. I did that. It's not fun. Um, but um, don't live in fear of the fact that you may not be here tomorrow, but be aware. Living aware of that, it brings wisdom in your life. You know, my brother-in-law, Jamie, if you could uh, be praying for him. Um, he preaches about me all the time, but uh, I, I, he does. Not, don't pray for him for that. Sorry, that came out wrong. Pray for him because um, a couple days ago he got to go on vacation. His church gives him a month off all in a row, so, uh, which is pretty great. They work him like a mule all the rest of the time. So um, he's, um, he's there, and uh, he gets to go off on his, on his holidays, and on the first day of his holidays, he starts throwing up. He doesn't feel so well. So the second day of his holidays, he's got like this real, real sharp pain on the side of uh, his, uh, his whatever the side. And so then uh, he, he has to go to the hospital and his, his wife takes him in. He has a, a, a appendicitis and his appendix actually ruptured. He's in Dunville Hospital right now. Um, and so uh, as, as we get the phone call and my father-in-law is saying, hey, pray. And as soon as I tell my kids, listen, Uncle Jamie's in the hospital, all of a sudden my daughter reaches like, no, he's not going to be able to throw me up in the air ever again. And, and she's devastated, right? I'm like, we're going to pray. And then we went over to, the, to my in-law's house, and they're sitting around there, and they're talking, and a bunch of the family's there. And like, yeah, I remember what it was like when Jamie would come to the family get-togethers. He's the life of the party. What will it be like when he's not here? And we're like thinking, he's not dead. You know, he's, he's in the hospital. Like, they're like planning his funeral. And I'm like, he, he's not, he, he's going to come back. And, and then, I, but then the like kind of came on for me that, you know, we always wait until the funeral before we actually say what we feel about people. We wait until it's too late to honor them uh, and let them know. So I decided yesterday I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go and tell him the things that he means to me. So as I sat there at the end of his bed and uh, I put my hand on his leg and I prayed for him, I told him I loved him and he kind of looks at me all weird like, you know, I don't know if that's the morphine in his eyes or what, but he's like, this is a little awkward. I'm like, listen, you know, I just want to let, let you know this is, this is how I feel about it. And yeah, it feels a little bit awkward, but the thing is there's times where there's so 
many people in our lives who do not really know how you feel about them. And if that's prompted on your heart today, I would encourage you to do something about it. Last night as we were sharing this, there was a person here who just smacked their head. Uh, and someone said later, oh, they should have just had a V8. But they, um, they, they realized that that, that that point spoke to them. They called their husband and set up a date for that night. And it was Saturday night, like right after church or going on a date. Because they realized that there was this thing that they hadn't said what, they, uh, what was on their heart in such a long time. And, and to do something with it. Uh, it's one of those things we realize what we have. Numbering your days creates wisdom in your life. You know, God wants us to live with, not with just about what's happening here. This is so short. He wants us to live with this idea of eternity. This idea that we're, we, we do go on uh, from here and that the decisions we make are affecting our future. They are. The, the, who we are tomorrow is the choice that we make today. Uh, so the third thought is this. After um, stop waiting for the perfect moment and number your moments instead is to share it. Share what God prompts in your heart. If he drops something in your heart that he feels like you should do, tell somebody that you trust. Don't share it on Facebook with the whole world. They, they don't maybe need to know, but share it with someone. Because uh, the thing is, if you don't share it with somebody, if you don't tell somebody, hey, this is kind of what God's put on my heart that, uh, to do, you probably won't do it. And share it with people who are going to actually ask you, hey, did you go and do that in your life? Um, turn to Hebrews chapter 3. It's, uh, it's at the far other end of the Bible, almost at the end. Give you a chance to get there. Hebrews chapter 3. It says, uh, it says this in verse 12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are, are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to followers of Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, be careful that you, your own hearts are not turned away from God. You know, you might be living for Christ right now, but he says, hey, make sure that that, that, that stays, that that continues. Uh, it says, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God, just as, oh, sorry, in verse 13, you must warn each other every day while it's still called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we're faithful to the end, Trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says today when you hear his voice. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. You know what he's saying here is he's, he's giving them this thought that encourage one another. In genuine community, you're going to have friends who are going to tell you stuff that you don't want to hear. You know, if your friends are, you know, you're like, hey, you know, I, got the, I feel this prompting in my life that I, I really need to do something about this. You know, I, I need to change. Hey, what do you think? Oh, no, you're fine. You're nothing like that. Here, smoke this. You'll feel so much better. You know, the, the, those people aren't your genuine friends. But the ones that sometimes when friends speak into your life and say something to you, it's like, oh, I, oh, I, hate, I hated hearing that, so I, I, I hate that person. And it's like this thing of you distance yourself from them. I want to encourage you that your real friends are going to speak real truth in, into your life. And the thing is, if we don't listen, the Bible just says that our hearts get hardened. It talks another place about our conscience gets seared. And what ends up happening is we, we are no longer able to hear God. That's a dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. But it says this is how you get there. A lot of times we wake up in that place and go, man, I just I don't, can't seem to hear God anymore. I don't know what's going on. You got there a certain way. What he's, what he's warning us is saying, hey, if you see stuff in your, in, your, in your friends' lives, talk to them. Keep reminding them today. It says don't wait. Don't put it off. So my question for you this morning, is there anything in your life? that God's prompting you right now. Maybe it's an attitude that you have. Maybe it's a belief system, you know, about him. Maybe or about his plans for your life or, or what's going on or what life is all about. Maybe it's a bad habit that you have. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a real struggle that he's kind of prompting you. Say, hey, listen, you know, let, let's deal with this. Let's do something about this. In 2 Timothy chapter um, uh, 4, uh, verse 2, uh, Paul says to Timothy, hey, you know, I want uh, patiently preach the word and, and use that to... Um, 
correct, to rebuke, and to encourage. I love the last one. I thought, you know, that's amazing. Encourage. It's even on our bulletin in the front of it. We, we love, accept, forgive, and we encourage. But sometimes there's an area of where he just wants to bring correction or just a bit of a rebuke in our lives, maybe a big rebuke in our lives, because all three of those things lead to the same result in the end. It's for your good that he's always, he's wanting these things in your life. Sometimes it's going to be an encouragement. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but my question for you this morning is, is God prompting you about stuff? Maybe he's prompting you about your, uh, you know, that fact that you're settling for a mediocre marriage today. You know that you could have some conversations with a counselor. You could have some conversations with one another about where your marriage is at. You know, you could, um, you could do something about it, but you're kind of just like, you know, you're learning to live with it. It's not what you dreamed of when you said, I do, at, at the altar, but you, you know, it, it's what it is. You're not calling the lawyers. You're not getting divorced, but there's definitely not life there. Maybe you're settling for that this, uh, this morning. And I mean, he's prompting that in your heart and he's saying, you know, do something with that. Don't put those conversations off until tomorrow. Maybe you're a teenager here this morning uh, and you think, oh, you know what? I don't need to think about really important decisions. I'm a teenager. I'm supposed to make, I'm supposed to make stupid decisions. I'm supposed to do all the dumb things. That's what teenagers do. I, I'd like to just let you know that the word teenager only, has only existed for about 70 years that before then it was either child or adult. You were a child and then you became an adult, which tells me that people of your age can make adult decisions, which also tells me that, and the Bible's full of teenagers, young people who made decisions that changed the world. You can change the world. You can know God today. Some of you are like, oh, I just, I'm not sure who I am. I don't know really about my future. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And you hang out with all these different groups of people to try and find out who you are. God says by getting to know him, you'll find out who you are. That, that's where you'll figure it out. And I want to encourage you uh, with that. Don't put that off until tomorrow. Don't put off the really important decisions in your life until someday. You can begin to make those decisions now. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you're one of the people who's continually getting yourself further and further into debt. You're like, oh man, my credit cards are all maxed up. Uh, you know what I need? Another credit card. You know, and, I, and I'm going to spend that. And you're like hoping Jesus is going to come next week so you don't have to pay anybody back. And, and you're like, the, the, this, the thought is you don't even know why you do it. But you feel like when you feel uh, inside, you feel like, bye. And you do feel a little happier. You, maybe you got to look in your heart and say, why, why am I self-medicating with retail therapy? Why is this a thought of I got to spend? I think that it's going to happen. You know, if you've been prompted in that, to say that, you know, there's just things where you could start getting, uh, making a phone call for um, financial help or talking to a financial counselor or um, starting just a budget or talking to each other about, you know, the spending stuff that's going on in your life. You know, my, my question is, have you learned to live with it? You know, the pressure at the end of the month is just unbearable for you. Like, how am I going to pay all my bills? How am I going to make this all work? And every month, you're just like, oh, you know, I, you could do something, but you don't. You're, you're willing to live with those frogs for just one more night. Maybe it's addiction for you. You know, maybe for you, it's like you think, oh, it's the last pack of smokes. You know, and you know God's dealing with your heart, but oh, you know what? I'm going to do it on this day, September 1st, and you don't put a year on it because you just might do it the following one. You know, maybe for you, it's like that alcohol that you think, you know, I got it. I got a, I got a control of it, but that thing on the inside says, no, you don't. No, you don't. You need to deal with this. You need to talk to somebody. Maybe you've just learned to live with it. Maybe for you, you go to the computer screen and you wish you didn't. You wish you didn't look at the garbage that you see on there, but you, you do and then you leave it and you think, oh, you know, I got to deal with that. But you've learned to live with the guilt. You've learned to kind of handle it and so you don't choose freedom instead. He's prompting these things on you. Maybe you have to tell somebody. Maybe you got to go and start and, and, and tell someone. That's tough for you. I want to encourage you this morning that if any of these things are you, that not to put those things off just one more day not to live with the frogs for one more day. Uh, and, and here's why. You know, sometimes there's simple things in your life that God's prompting you to do. Maybe it's cancel your Netflix account. You know, that's pretty simple. 
You know, but maybe, and I'm not saying God's against Netflix. I'm not saying that's for everybody. But for some of you, it might be here. You just need to get rid of that thing in your, in your house and in your life. Sometimes it's huge things for you. Sometimes God's prompt for you is that you've got to go and forgive your abuser. And it's tough, and it's big, and it's huge. But God's drop, dropping these prompts in your life. Why? Because he knows you can do it. He knows you can, and he's kind of pushing you. He's not pushing you to push you off a cliff. He's prompting you to push you into a better spot in your life. He's prompting you to push you to freedom. And you know what the thing about freedom is? Freedom is not just for you. It's not. It's bigger than that. You know, last week we looked at Paul and Silas in prison, and when God set them free, what happened? It resulted in the salvation of a a jailer's family. It resulted in in the chains and doors being broken off a prison for other people. This week I had the opportunity to help a young guy write his story. And he was telling his testimony. And he, wrote, he, was, he was talking about how less than a year ago, he wanted to end his life. He didn't figure anybody would care. He was doing things in his life. He had planned it out. It was ready to go. And then all of a sudden, there was this meeting with a friend where his friend realized and said, listen, you know, this can't happen. And he's like, you know what? You're right. And uh, he said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to promise you I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to end my life. Less than a year ago, he's still alive today. You know, and because of his story of experiencing freedom, he was writing this story, and then he said, you know what, it just wasn't me. He says, there's been two people in my life that I've met this year who I realized were going to end their lives, and I talked to them, and they and made them promise me, and those two guys are alive as well today. Why? Because freedom wasn't just for him. That moment, though, he had to deal with it. That moment, he could have said, I'm going to put off dealing with this until tomorrow. I'm not going to tell anybody until tomorrow what tomorrow may not have ever happened. These things are, are bigger than we, we think, and that's why we want to talk about that this morning. So if it's you, let me give you three quick things. Three quick things to say here. If, if I find myself in any one of those places or another, Holy Spirit's bigger than, bigger than me. He can speak into your life. Uh, last night we just saw a bunch of those things too where he just spoke things like this. If God's prompting uh, you to do something, then you can do it. So my challenge to you is trust God. Trust him. You can't do this thing on your own. Don't get me wrong when I think, say, hey, here's those changes you've always wanted to make or hoped to make, and now you're going to go do it. You can't do it without them. You can try, but it won't last. Your behavior modification is not what he cares about. He wants to change the inside of your heart. The good news is that you have Holy Spirit in you. (laughs) You know, we sing that song, Search My Heart. Without you, I am nothing. Yeah, it's true, but with him, we have everything. So the, the, the encouragement for you this morning is that all through the word, he's telling you things like this, to trust his forgiveness for your life. When you wake up and feel like you're just rotten and dirty and whatever, trust that his forgiveness, um, in 2 Corinthians he says, he became sin for you so that you would just become righteous in him. Trust his mercy. The Bible says it's new every morning in Lamentations. Trust his grace. In 2 Corinthians um, 12, 9, it says that his grace is sufficient for you and that when you feel weak, his strength is actually stronger. His strength works better when you feel weak. So it's like, oh, you know what? God can work with what, what you have. In our Second Peter study here, we learn that he's given us everything we need for a life of, uh, uh, and godliness by his divine power. That, that, that with him, you can do it. So many times you think, oh, I'm just going to just whatever. I'll, I'll just put it off one more day. He's saying, don't put it off because you don't think you can have it because you can. Uh, and it's in his strength. Philippians 4.13 talks about it too. Talks about living in all kinds of financial areas. But it's the idea that God gives you the strength. You can do all things in and with him. So number one, trust God. If he's prompting in your heart, trust him that he's got the, it figured out. If you'll be obedient to him, it's going to take you where he wants you to go. So number two is this, be courageous. See, some of you, you're going to have to talk to somebody. You're going to have to tell someone uh, and and get them on your side, like we said earlier, to to help you actually walk this thing out. And you know what? I want to encourage you. Face your fear knowing that you have Holy Spirit, this very Spirit of God living on the inside of you. 
to begin not to just face it and say, you know, I'm facing this on my own. I got God on my side. Who can be against me? You know, in the book of Joshua, it tells the story of Joshua. And uh, it, there was a, the, the Moses, it, it starts in the very first verses. It says, Moses, um, um, or God's telling Joshua, he says, Moses, my servant, he's dead. Now, Joshua, I want you to go and lead this people into the, into the land that I promised them. What's the key word in that? Now. He says, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait, you know, a couple months. He's like, Moses is dead now. Now it's time, right, right now, right here, right now. And, and Joshua's like, he, he's terrified of this. And God tells him three times in that conversation, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous. And for you, it's the same thing. You might be looking at something like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. He's saying, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous. Trust me, with me, you can do all things. Go and do this, uh, do this thing because we can do it. And my last, the last thought is this, trust God, be courageous, and then just do it already. Just do it already. Thanks to Nike for that. But James, you know, the book of James warns us of the deception of just hearing the word of God. And that's for each of us. That's for me as as well as any person here. Hearing the word of God, we deceive ourselves if we think we're better off because we heard it. He says it's not about hearing it, it's about doing something with it. You're like, oh, Mark, I thought we don't have to do anything anymore because, you know, God's done it all and we're saved, not based on our actions. Exactly. You're not saved based on this, but he still says there's something that we have to, to do. So, and it brings spiritual maturity in your life. So our thought is this, just do it. You know, you're going to do what your heart really wants to do. So guard that heart, guard it, put, put the word of God in it, and ruthlessly prioritize your time. Realize that, that your time, everyone is trying to get that time from you. Everything, the TV, the, you know, the video games, whatever it might be for you, work. It, it's all going to try and suck away your, the time that you have, and you only had today once. So what are your values? What are the things that, that you want in your life? What's, what are the things that are prompting you saying, you know, I just, I, I got to see this change in my life. Maybe for you, it's like I had a while back. I want to be a better dad. I want to spend, you know, I want my kids to, 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 to be able to spend more time with my kids and, and do those things. And I kept saying that's what I want to do. I had it on my computer screen. I had like a little sticky note, you know, be a better dad. Spend more time with your kids. And I would always look at that and go, yep, I'm going to do that tomorrow. I realize that the truth and the change is that we do it today. That today is what you have. Today is the chance that you have to do something with that. It's so important to him. You know, he even said that salvation is about today. Today is the day of salvation. There's, there's, there's no other time than, than the present for that. My um, challenge to you this morning um, is this is to just check your heart and say, you know, God, what are you prompting in me to do? What things are you prompting in my life? If you feel like your heart's in the wrong place, there's a real quick way to get it in the right place. You know, I love uh, the story that um, the, uh, Mike and Chelsea shared uh, at their baptism about, you know, the number one, two, three, four, and in Luke 12, 34, it just said where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. You know, you're, you're, the things you value, if you'll put if you'll put your valuables into a certain thing that you want to, to be connected to, your heart will follow you there. You spend your money on, on things, your heart will be in those places. It's not because we're taking up an offering. It's just to say, get, get your heart into the place where it needs to be. Heart after God, a heart, you know, that, that it's for the things that matter. My challenge for you today is to listen and do something today. Not to wait one more night with those frogs. Not to spend one more time uh, with uh, the things that are going on in your life. Not to just endure it for one, for one more day. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, the last, that, that's that last thought. That's where it just says, you know, uh, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you have the opportunity to say, God, you know, I, I, 
I, I'm, I decide to follow Jesus. I give my life to follow you. And you know, the, 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 the whole story of the cross, the fact that, that God came and lived on this planet through Jesus Christ, that Jesus, he lived a perfect life because we couldn't, that's true. The fact that he gave his life voluntarily, laid it down to pay the price for our sin. Because one day we are going to stand before God. One day we are going to give account of what our lives uh, have been lived for our actions and also for what we did with Jesus Christ. My question for you is, what have you done with Jesus? Some of you, I've had conversations with you multiple times about this. Multiple times saying, you know, you're like, yeah, I know. I feel like I really should uh, follow Christ. I really feel like I should give my life to Christ. But... There's still something in in your life. There's a frog. There's something you just want to stay with for a little bit longer. My encouragement today, and and, and usually I wouldn't be this strong on it, but I just feel I need to be this morning, is that today is the day for you to to have that opportunity to make that choice. Today you can receive a free gift of, of his love, his forgiveness, his salvation, and a real opportunity to do life. If you're just kind of going through the motions of going through church, if, if, you're, if you're not getting to know Jesus better uh, on, a, on a consistent basis, if your faith is just consisting of the things you do, you're missing out. He wants more than that. He wants that relationship where you do life with him. My challenge for you this morning is that that is on the table for you, that you can just receive that as simply as a, as a kid receiving a, a free gift or if I was to hold out a $100 bill and you just grab it. This morning, same thing. God is offering that to you today. And it just says this, don't harden your hearts. Don't allow that to go past. But accept that free gift of salvation. Accept that life. Accept that forgiveness and that right standing with God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I just thank you for your word and that it matters for our lives today. God, I know there's been frogs in my life that you've been, been prompting me about. Uh, God, today, again, I decide today to live for you, to follow you, to choose you and not that. Uh, God, I just... I just ask for others here this morning as well, the things that you are prompting in their life. Holy Spirit, I just pray they recognize your voice, that they realize it's you and that it's for their good and, uh, and for your glory, uh, that you're investing and involved in their lives. Uh, God, for those who don't know you here this morning, uh, God, I ask that if, if they felt your prompting on, on their heart as we've uh, been sharing this morning, that they would just reach out to you, that they uh, just receive the gift of salvation, receive new life, receive forgiveness, and decide to turn away from the things that they they were doing and to follow you instead. God, I thank you again for the chance we have to do this together here in this place. Pray your blessing over this family. Thank you for the blessing that they are to each other and to me. God, I pray that uh, they'd be a light that shines bright for you this week, wherever they find themselves. Uh, And again, may your hope and may your love and may your joy and laughter just fill their homes and fill their lives. Uh, because they're filled with you. And may they do life with you this week for your glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen.